Well, my name is Jermaine, associate pastor here at Grace Covenant Church in Sterling, and uh, you guys get me this morning delivering the word. I'm so excited to be here. My, my prayer, my hope is that you will be encouraged as much as I have been encouraged preparing this word for you. I believe God wants to, to help us today. He wants to encourage us. He wants to inspire us. He wants to change us and transform us. And so I am believing a lot of things today. And so I'm, I'm hoping that you will hear well and hear this passage well. We're going to talk about Christmas, obviously. I hope you have your Christmas presents um, and not, you know, if you're, if you're shipping something, please go ahead and order presents. I think it's really important that we go ahead and do that so that, you know, if you're shipping it to me, it's just so I can get them on Christmas, all right? Um, so I appreciate that. Um, let's go ahead. It's a lot of things to say this morning. And so, so that we're not up here for an hour. Let's go ahead and hop right into it, okay? So let's go ahead and stand as we uh, read the word that we'll be studying today. This is our tradition here. We read the word together um, in reverence to God's word. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. And it reads like this. For to us... A child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, and on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, your word that changes us and transforms us. God, my prayer today is that we would see the gift of the Son as you have meant for us to see, that we will see him with all of his authority, and God, that we would see everything that comes with his character. God, thank you for gifting us, your son, Jesus. God, help us to respond well to your word today. We thank you. God, use me, speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So we're going to hop right right into this. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 starts with, with, for to us a child is born, to us a son has been given. And this, this comes right in the midst of uh, the craziness of the Israelites' life. They are, they are literally in exile. They have been removed from their home. They have been removed from everything they would know as comfort. They have been estranged from God. There's no temple. There's no sanctuary. There's no presence of God. They, they don't know what's really going on, and they're crying out for a king. And ultimately, they, they are also running from God, turning their back on God. And what we find here right in this passage, in the midst of all of this, God says, I'm going to enter into your situation. I'm going to enter into all of your chaos, even though you don't want me, even though you, you, are, you are crying out for me, but you don't really want me. You've been in rebellion for so long. I'm going to come here, but I'm not coming as this conquering king. I'm going to come as a child. I'm going to come as a son to us, to us, to us. And I was thinking about this this morning I was thinking about my, a couple of years ago, I may have told this story before, but I, I have uh, my son, Kingston, he was three years old, I think he was two or three, maybe, um, and he, 
was playing, and we were in our house, and we were playing. We, didn't, we only had him, and he was kind of playing there, and then he went into his room, and he started playing in his room. And my wife and I are kind of cleaning the house, and we're upstairs doing different things. And then about 10 or 15 minutes go by, and it gets really quiet in the house. And so we're like, hey, if it's quiet with your kids, you start to think something's going on. And so I began to look at my wife and say, where's Kingston? She looks at me, where's Kingston? We don't know where he is, but he's in his room. And I go to his room, and the door is locked. And the door is locked, and we, don't, we have one of those locks that has a little small little keyhole. Not, not anything that we could actually do because we don't have the actual thing that goes in the small keyhole. And so the door is locked. And so what, what do I do? I begin to knock on the door saying, Kingston, hey, Kingston, open the door, unlock the door. And nothing. It's crickets. My wife, look, we look at each other and we begin to think, why is he not answering the door? <laughs> and so we begin to bang on the door really, really loudly. The door is shaking and it's moving. Kingston, open the door. And he's not opening the door. And so we begin to look at each other with kind of this fear in our eyes, like what, what has happened to our son? And we're thinking the worst, as you probably are thinking the worst. Hey, what is happening? And we're banging and we're banging and we're calling his name and we're calling his name. And he doesn't answer. And so my wife looks at me and she says, what are you going to do? <laughs> and so I do what a father would do who can't reach his son, and there's a barrier there between him and you. I kick the door down. I kick it down. Love this story. Yes, Superman. One, one kick. The door was cheap, but it was still. One kick. I kick the door down. And I run into the room, and I see my son, and he's laying on the bed. His eyes are closed, and he's still not responding. But I look, and he's breathing, so I begin to shake him. Kingston, wake up! Kingston, wake up! And then he looks up. He finally wakes up, wakes out of his sleep, and he looks at me, and he goes, what, what do you want? You know, <laughs> I've been screaming and I've been yelling and I've been calling his name and he's been asleep and he's been ignoring me. But I've come in and I grab him. He wakes up and I hold him tight. and I'm like, son, I just want to hold you. Man, I'm so glad that you're okay. And this is what it's like. This is what it means to me when I think about God coming to us. Because there's been a barrier between us and him, and we've been ignoring his call. And we've been ignoring him, screaming our name, and he's banging on the door, and he's banging on the door. And he doesn't just stand there at the door, coming close to the door, but he kicks the barrier all the way in, comes all the way into our space, comes all the way into our situation, comes close to us, shakes us, wakes us up, and he comes close, and he says, Son, I love you. Wake up. Wake up. And he picks us up, and he holds us, and he grabs us tight. There's nothing that stops our father from getting to his son. That is him coming towards us. That's what his incarnation means. I mean, obviously, we talk about an incarnation, something we don't really talk about a lot. But it, it speaks to, you know, humanity. Humanity has sinned. Humanity needs to pay the price for the sin. Humanity needs a savior, needs a perfect savior. Humanity can't do it. There is no perfect human. So God decides I'm going to come as myself and do what you cannot do. 
That's the power of the incarnation. That's why it had to happen this way. But what I love about it is because God enters into our humanity, he experiences our humanity. And because he experiences our humanity, he can empathize with our humanity. There is nothing that we are currently experiencing or will experience or have experienced that our God has not already experienced in the flesh, in the flesh. And because he's familiar with it, he can fix it. Hear me, because he's familiar with it, he can fix it. He's like a, it's like a good old handyman that's been around the block who's seen everything, right? So there's nothing that, that this handyman will come across that he can't somehow figure out and fix, right? You guys know these types of handyman. We call them the jack-of-all-trades, but the master of none. But that's not our Jesus. That's not our Jesus. He's not a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. He is Jesus, king of all things, master of everything. And he has seen everything, and he knows everything, and he can fix everything. God, he, is, he has been broken. He has been abused. He has been betrayed. He has been rejected. He has been tired. He has been hungry. He has been hurt. He has cried real tears. He knows and has felt everything. So, family, if, if you are today in this place, my hope is that you will understand and hear this the way that I heard it when God was downloading this message to me. He has come to us and he knows us. So if you are hurting, if you are broken, if you have been betrayed, if you have been rejected, if you feel pain, if you're crying tears, there is a God who knows exactly what you are going through, and he is the one that can help you. Hebrews chapter 4 and 16 says it like this. We're going to put that up on the screen there. I'll read it. <laughs> For we do not have a high priest who was unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive grace and find, receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Family, because he has approached us in our experience, we can now approach him with our experiences and he can fix it and he can help us because he has come to us, to us, to us. It says the government will be upon his shoulders. The message version says it like this. He will take over running the world. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to that. But he will take over running the world. And what it's talking about here is that, that he will be appointed and anointed with authority. This point here I'm talking about that not only do we have the gift of the son, but the son has been gifted with authority. He has been gifted with rulership. Everything, dominion and power rests in his hands. And I can name four or five different scriptures that speak to all authority being given to Jesus. Everything put under his feet. He is in charge of everything. And it says that the government will rest upon his shoulders. 
That, that's what Isaiah is trying to paint a picture of is that the, the government of, of running your life <laughs> rests upon his shoulders and not ours, right? And what he's talking about is basically he's painting the picture of a, of a yoke that's put around a neck and the yoke then gets tied and then a, a weight gets attached to the yoke and then that weight is carried on by the person that has a yoke tied to them. That, that weight is called a burden. It's called a burden. And I hope I'm painting the picture very well here because we all kind of have taken upon the yoke of things we're not supposed to take on and taken on the burdens of things we're not supposed to carry. And so what we do is we take this yoke and we, we tie it around our neck and then we take our sin and we throw it on as a weight and it's a burden and it's heavy. We're not supposed to carry it, but we do. And then we take more weight of our life and then we take it and we tie it on as a weight and then we start to carry it. And we're carrying our life and it's heavy and it's a burden. And we start to carry our job and its responsibilities and it's a weight and it's a burden and we're carrying it. And we're carrying parenting and kids and it's a weight and we're carrying it. It's a burden. And we begin to heap on these different things. Then we take our emotions and that baggage and we take that baggage and we throw it onto the back and we begin to carry it and it's, it's heavy and it's a weight. We take our past and that baggage, we toss that on and it's a weight and we're carrying it and now we're moving slower. It's heavy. You guys, you guys get this, what I'm saying. It's heavy. And we take our future and all the anxiety that comes with that and we take that baggage and we toss that on. And then we get married and we tie a yoke with someone else and we take on all of their baggage. And now we are carrying a load, a load that we were never meant to carry. Guys, are you hearing this? Are you tired? <laughs> Anybody tired? Like I'm tired, right? And that's what God is, is speaking today. Are you tired? Are you tired of running your own world? Are you tired of trying to govern your own thing? God has an answer for that. Someone that has been gifted with authority and with shoulders that are designed to carry the weight of your world. It says here, um, it says here, God's answer to our burdens in Matthew eleven, twenty-seven 27 through 30. It says this, it says, all things have been committed to me by my father. Authority government. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a passage. Now, he's speaking to Jews who have basically been burdened with the weight of their sin. And they've been burdened also with extra laws that have been heaped on them by Pharisees that have basically made it impossible for them to come to God and get right with God. And it's a heavy burden that they're carrying. 
And so he's speaking to them and he's saying, listen, this weight that you are carrying right now, I know it's heavy, but you don't have to carry it. I have come to carry it. You don't have to do anything anymore. All you have to do is be with me. Come to me, be with me, and the heaviest burden that you have to carry, the weight of sin, the weight of eternal death away from God has been taken away. I have taken it away. It is upon my shoulders now. And then they're free. And I believe God wants to do more than just say, hey, that you have been set free. I believe God wants to tell you this morning that he wants you to be carefree as well. That if God will take care of your greatest burden, why won't we trust him to take care of the rest of the things that we carry as burdens in our life? It begins with being with God, not doing Reading the word, obeying the word, coming to church, worshiping with others, linking arms with other believers. And I know some of you are saying, hey, that sounds a lot like doing, Jermaine. But it's not. It's it's being with Jesus. That is what it's like to be with Jesus. And just do that. And he said he will take care of the rest. God answers our burdens with himself. And this is what we get. We get the gift that gives. So we move into this next verse. It says, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now these are names, but these names speak to who he is, speaks to his character, speaks to his rulership. It's saying when he comes and when he rules with all authority, this is what he will bring within himself. And I have these listed as, as four Ps. So you're following along. <laughs> Wonderful counselor, purpose, mighty God, power, everlasting father, protection, and prince of peace, peace. And if you're looking for four S's, I got those two. We got uh, wonderful counselor, strategy, uh, mighty God, strength, everlasting father, source, prince of peace, Solace, if you're taking your notes this morning. Wonderful counselor. Now, sometimes this, this word kind of loses some meaning as we begin to think about this word wonderful when we translate it into English because we think, this is wonderful. It's really good. It's really awesome. This is really great. But this word wonderful means more than just really good. It means more than just, hey, this is amazing. It's the same word that the Israelites used after they crossed the Red Sea and they got on the other side and they began to worship God as they were looking back and thinking, man, we just walked across dry ground with a wall of sea beside us and the enemy that was chasing us, that held us captive for 400 years, has been swallowed up in, in this sea. What God has done is wonderful. What God has done is wonderful. What he's saying, what they're saying is what God has done is out of this world. What God has done is that he has done something that no human can do. It is supernatural. It is miraculous. This is what wonderful means. What wonderful means is miraculous, supernatural. This is the type of counsel that this son will bring. Supernatural, miraculous 
plans, strategy, wisdom, help, counsel, purpose. This is the type of counsel that we need. This is a much needed revelation for me. I think the first step that we need to understand in getting help is what? Realizing that we need help. (laughs) I need help. I don't want to say that you need help, but I'm going to say it anyway. You need help. We, We need help. Look at your neighbor and say, I need help. Now look, well, no, don't look at your other neighbor, but just kind of throw your hand kind of like this at him and just say, Lord Jesus, help them. There you go. All right. Don't look at them, though. Just, just pray for them, just like that. Listen, God is, God calls himself a counselor. Why? Because we need counsel. <laughs> he calls himself a helper because we need help. He's an advocate because we need advocacy. Listen, we need help, and we not, only, we not only need help, we need supernatural help. Our situation is, is dire. Our situation is out of this world. It's crazy. That's why when you guys hear me, sometimes I, I love to talk about but God moments in the Bible. I love to talk about impossible situations that God comes in and he begins to change and transform and do things that only he can do. We look at Romans chapter 5. It says, but God comes and he dies for us while we were sinners. Ephesians talks about our situation, who we are as sinners, but God, he comes and he saves us. Family, you are a but God moment. I don't need scripture. I can talk. look at myself. I am a but God moment. If not for the supernatural purpose of God in my life, I would be dead in my sins, lost in my sins. That's what you are here today. You are a but God moment. And he has come in your life with supernatural purpose, supernatural plans. And some of us today are facing some really, and maybe probably some of the toughest and hardest moments of your life, the most difficult situations that you've ever had to deal with in your life. And you don't need a good plan. (laughs) You need a God plan. You don't need a good lawyer You don't need a good doctor. You don't need a good teacher. You need the wonderful counselor, the supernatural, miracle-working power of God, a word from God in your life. Wonderful counselor. This is what he will bring to us. He says he'll be a mighty God. A strong God. Some words, some synonyms that you'll see in the Bible will will say something like this. Warrior. Champion. Hero. Psalm 24 and 8 says it like this. Who is this king of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty. 
the Lord mighty in battle. Listen, he's not just strong just to be strong, but he's strong in battle. He's not just mighty just to be mighty, but he's mighty in battle. Our God isn't strapping on a warrior's jersey, you know, just to represent. He is a warrior that is warring for you in battle. That is what this word means, mighty God. That he is a God that's not just strong with muscles and looks strong, but he knows how to fight. He has ability to fight, and he will fight, and he will win. This is our God. He is strong. Strong. <laughs> you know, my sons, my sons think I'm really strong. And I think that's a good thing. <laughs> I don't let them know that I'm not really strong. Uh, but sometimes when we're watching football, they'll ask me. They'll say, Daddy, are you, are you stronger than this guy? You know, and he's 6'8", 350, something like that, you know. And I'm like, well, I mean, no, I'm not, (laughs) right? I'm not, I'm not. And But sometimes they ask me, and, you know, I might say, I I don't know, because I don't really know how strong this person really is, right? And and this person doesn't know how strong I really am, so I'm not technically lying or anything. I just don't know how strong they are. So I could be, I could not be, I'm probably not, but (laughs) I don't want to let my sons know that I'm not strong. But I, I love the question. I love the question. Daddy, are you stronger than? What a question. Daddy, are you stronger than? And though sometimes my answer may be no, God's answer is always yes. God, are you stronger than? His answer is yes, no matter what it is. Fill in the blank. God, are you stronger than sin? Yes. God, are you stronger than death? Yes. God, are you stronger than sickness? Yes. Are you stronger than my situation that I'm currently facing? The answer is yes. God, are you stronger? Yes. He is stronger. He's not only stronger, but he's stronger in battle. He is fighting. And I love Scripture the truth of Scripture, that he's not only fighting family, he's victorious. It's not just fighting to fight, but he's already won. Your greatest battle, I've said it a couple times today, your greatest battle he's already defeated. He's defeated the enemy. He's defeated sin. He's defeated it. And I know that some of you are dealing with some really difficult things. Some of you are dealing with some really difficult circumstances. And God just wants you to let you know. He wanted me to let you know. And he wants you to know that he's strong. And he's fighting. And he's victorious. I'll say it again. He's strong, and he is fighting for you, and he is victorious. Amen to that. It says he's the eternal or everlasting father. Now, I don't want to confuse this with uh, 
the first person of the Trinity, <laughs> the everlasting Father. That's not what Isaiah is saying here. What Isaiah is saying here is when he comes, when this son comes to rule, he's not going to come and rule like a normal king would come and rule. He's not going to come and treat you like a servant. He's not going to come and treat you like a subject. He's not going to, you know, put up barriers between you and him. But he is going to come and establish a kingdom, and he's going to father you. He is going to treat you like a child, like a father would treat a child. And I know some of you are getting this because, listen, I I love my kids, and, and I would do anything for my kids. But there are some things that I won't do for other people's kids. You know, like, I'll, I'll change my kids' diapers without hesitation. They're not in diapers anymore, but when they were in diapers, I would change their diapers without hesitation. Uh, and I have two boys, so sometimes they have dirty underwear. It's fine. Um, <clears throat> but, man, it will be a tremendous pause for me <laughs> to change somebody else's kids' dirty underwear. <laughs> right? That is just not, I'm not built like that. That's just not how I am, although I love kids. And I, I love all of you, and I will gladly, gladly inconvenience myself for any one of you as a pastor, as a friend, as a brother. But if I am forced to decide or choose between you all and my kids, don't be offended by this, but I'm going to choose my kids. And I know that most of you would do the same. If you had to decide between me and your kids, you'd probably choose your kids. And this is what this passage is saying this morning, is that God has chosen you like a father would choose his kids. He has chosen you with his life, sacrificed his own life for you so that you can have everlasting life. Like a father chooses a kid, God cares for you. God cares for you like a father choosing his kid. God chooses you and he loves you like a loving father would love his kids. He provides protection for you like a loving father would protect his kids. He provides security for you like a loving father would provide security for his kids. He provides identity for you like a loving father would provide identity for his kids. He is a a father. He is a father. I I hope that you guys are kind of catching this a little bit. You know, intrinsic in the title, Everlasting Father, is relationship. Father, relationship. Jesus has come so that we can have a personal and intimate relationship. And I want you to hear God's invitation in this verse. This is one of my life verses, especially as a boy who grew up most of his life without his earthly father. Hear this verse here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. And it says, as, as God has said, I will live with them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, 
and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. In verse 18, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What a word. And he says he's the prince of peace. He is the prince of peace. Mike already said it today from the stage a little bit. He talked about being the prince of the prince of peace, the peace that he provides. And peace is more than just kind of the absence of war, the absence of conflict, the absence of fighting and tough circumstance. It is it is more complete than that. This word peace means that there is there is it means soundness. It means wholeness. It means completeness. Like the peace that God God brings both has peace that happens externally and peace that's also happening within, internally. It's sound. It's complete. It's not hollow. It's not lacking. When you guys, I think about things that are, are hollow. I used to sell doors for 11 years, so that's why I'm, I use doors a lot in my analogies and pictures, but I think about a, a hollow core door. And what a hollow core door is, is basically a door that has wood along the frames, and it has a wood veneer, very thin veneer on the outside. But right in the middle, it's empty. There's nothing there. It's hollow. And it's designed really as kind of a value item, kind of a cheap substitute for a real solid door. And it looks great on the outside. And it's awesome. On the outside, it looks expensive. But on the inside, it's empty. There's nothing there. It's, it's hollow. And you guys know anything about things that are designed to be cheap substitutes? Is that they are designed to function for a little bit, but they aren't designed to last. So if you apply a little bit of pressure and you apply a little bit of force, what, do you, what happens? This thing begins to break down. It begins to crumble. And then what gets revealed on the inside of this door is emptiness. And what we end up doing is trying to fill this void, trying to fill this emptiness with something else. And what comes in is fear and anxiety and depression, and we get tired and we're fatigued. And we're trying to fill this thing. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Like everything, everything's good, right? Everything's happening in your life. Everything is fine. But on the inside, there's this dissatisfaction that's happening in your soul. There's this discomfort in your soul. You don't know what it is, but, you know, you don't feel complete. You don't feel complete. And we know that Jerry Maguire is a liar. You know, do you complete me? No, they don't complete you, all right? It's, it doesn't happen that way. They can't complete you. And you're just kind of left with kind of a void. And you're crying out. And your crying out is really a cry for peace. It's a cry for peace. You have everything, but you have no peace. But this is the peace that our, our King Jesus has come to offer. A real peace. Uh, a real 100% unadulterated joy-filling, joy-producing, peace-producing, peace 
in our life. It's not a a diet piece. (laughs) It's not peace zero. It's real peace. This is the real peace that he has come to offer. He has come and he has eliminated the hostility that existed between us and the Father and has given us real peace with God. That is a peace that nothing else can offer. And he has given us peace by defeating our enemies. He has given us peace by the authority that he carries as the government on his shoulders. He's given us peace as an everlasting father who cares for everything that we have. He cares for us, provides protection for us. He has given us peace. This is what his kingdom will look like, a kingdom of peace. There's no war outside. There's no war inside. Peace without, peace within, full, complete. He's the only one that can provide that kind of peace. He is the prince of peace, the prince of peace. I'm going to close here, and and Phil, you can come on up. (laughs) I appreciate you. Verse 7, it says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Other versions say something like, you know, there will be an increase or, or growth of his government instead of the word greatness. It's kind of this emphasis on a continual growth or a continual increase forever. These are things that are kind of repeated through this verse, that his peace will know no end, that his reign of justice and righteousness will be established both now and it will be sustained forever. And so this Christmas season, as we, as we give gifts And I know that we're going to give awesome gifts. The reality is the gifts that we give are only temporary. They won't last. But the gifts that the one who is gifted to us gives, they keep on giving. He is the gift that keeps on giving. They are eternal. They last forever. Supernatural purpose and victory, eternal life, and peace. And he reminds us this Christmas and today that he has come, he is here, and he gives of himself. You know, Scripture talks about when we give gifts We give gifts. Even though we are evil, we know how to give good gifts. How much more will God give his Holy Spirit if we ask? It's a real gift this Christmas today. I don't know any of you here... um, 
or if any of you here are dealing with some really major things. Um, I know some of you are. I know some of us are lacking peace in our souls, looking for answers on major decisions in our life. And some of us here are, are just dealing with just tough things. And we're trying to figure it out. And we're trying to figure it out on our own. And today, God's overwhelming message is that he is here. And that you do not have to do this on your own. The government is designed to rest on his shoulders, not yours. You don't have to be Lord over your life. He is the Lord of your life. And he can carry that responsibility. Does anybody here need, need a little peace today? Does anybody here just need a little bit more from God, his Holy Spirit to feel? Anybody here just need an answer from God on something? If that's you, just, just raise your hand here in this, in this place. We're going to pray. If you're online, we're praying. Thank you. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We thank you that you have come. We thank you, God, that you have come to help us. You know everything that we're experiencing. We know everything that we're going through. There's nothing that we are battling right now that you have not experienced in and of yourself. And you have an answer for it. So I thank you, God, as we have lifted our hands, we are surrendering ourselves to your government, to your leadership, to your lordship. And we are asking God right now with faith and expectation that you would come and you would provide supernatural and miraculous counsel to everyone that needs it in this place. God, that you would come in power. That you would come in power and fill us with your spirit and begin to do battle and fight in situations that we are dealing with. God, we need your supernatural power to do the things that only you can do in our lives. And we're asking, Father, right now for you to come in power to everyone that has their hand lifted here. This Christmas season, God, we are asking right now for, for you to come and care for us and for a peace that surpasses all understanding. God, fill us afresh. Fill us up. Don't just change our situation on the outside, but God, change and transform us on the inside so that we can know what real peace looks like here in this place. God, we thank you for the gift of your son that has come to us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, family.